lasers. You're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And you just heard right there, City Action by The Last of the Bad Men, featuring Godoy's, Creedon, Zach, and Tech. The last of the bad men are from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, brought together by the fabulous Godoy brother team, importing such great talents as Creedon, Zach, and Dennis Tech from the Radio Birdman. And this is brand new, recorded at the Hive Studios by Mike Gittens from the horse capital of BC, Langley, Mike Gittens from Hive Studios recorded The Last of the Bad Men, a brand new CD 
by the last of the bad men, and that was City Action, live on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. And speaking of bad men, who do we have on the line right now? Hello, are you there, caller? I am there. And who are you? My name is the Great Orbax. What are you, the Great Orbax? Please explain. <laughs> well, I run Canada's only touring two-man human demolition derby. You were known as Dr. Orbax, Dr. Burnaby Q. Orbax. Burnaby. Yes. Indeed. A reference to Burnaby, British Columbia, Canada, home of Michael J. Fox, perhaps? <laughs> no, unfortunately not. However, uh, you know, I've always had a soft spot for Michael Fox. Burnaby, though. Burnaby. How does Vancouver play into the sideshow? What exactly is your show, Orbax? Could you explain? How does your show differ from Michael J. Fox's show? Well, in uh, many ways, it's similar. Uh, you know, there's a lot of comedy, a lot of short men. Uh, but <laughs> we, uh, we run a freak show. It's pretty much a traditional freak show in that you'll see all types of zany debauchery and shenanigans. Uh, men pounding uh, nails into their face, walking in broken glass getting chained up to a stage and getting out of it, chainsaws, all types of uh, mayhem and method madness. And you are bringing this excitement to the Cobalt tonight and tomorrow night to the Red Room, right, Orbax? Yes, we are. Tonight's show is uh, more of a rock and roll extravaganza. We've got uh, three great bands on the bill. Uh, headlining my uh, sideshow partner, Sweet Pepper Klopek, is screaming for the band Skull Crusher. Uh, and we'll be performing in between sets. What's interesting about Burnaby, British Columbia, Canada, and Dr. Burnaby Q. Orbax, we're speaking to Orbax, performing tonight at the Cobalt and tomorrow night at the Red Room, is that Burnaby is, well, near Vancouver. And Vancouver is where Anthony Robbins began firewalking. Anthony Robbins began firewalking in Vancouver. Anthony Robbins did the firewalking. How hard is it to do firewalking, Orbax? Will there be firewalking tonight? Have you tried firewalking? I, I myself have never tried it. However, I've uh, heard from the inside track on it that it's a, it's a pretty uh, stand-up thing to do. What do you think about Anthony Robbins doing the firewalking? Does that oh, give I you Does that give you more respect? Because your show is a bit of Anthony Robbins, isn't it? The side show always have the entertainer, the outrageous entertainer, right? Exactly, yeah. It's all about outrageousness. So anybody who can walk in fire and smile like that is in my book. Orbach's performing tonight at the Cobalt and tomorrow night at the Red Room. Also continuing on the Vancouver theme, the Vancouver sideshow theme, Dr. Bur Dr. Burnaby Q. Orbach's Anthony Robbins beginning firewalking in Vancouver. Jim Pattison from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada owns Ripley, believe it or not. Owns Ripley. There you go. Have you been to Ripley? I have. There's actually a town, Ripley, I've been in. How was Ripley? Is there any stuff in there that you would like to examine? Oh, constantly. Everything in there. <laughs> I'd like it all in my living room if I could have it. You've been getting to a lot of towns. You've been doing a lot of exploring, Orbax. Yes, getting out right there, across Canada. Right there on the road. And I noticed that you were banned in Alberta. Banned, yeah. banned in Alberta. Well, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting story. The, uh, the liquor board there has a, a law on the books that says that any entertainment that can be considered a grotesque, obscene, or possibly offensive has to be approved by the liquor board prior to playing in a bar there. Now, my question is, 
divides it up to the liquor board to determine what's offensive, grotesque, or bizarre. Not that I don't uh, like those monikers, but I, as far as I'm concerned, the liquor board should be concerned with liquor as opposed to entertainment. So you were banned totally in Alberta? Did you get to do any gigs there at Orbex? Well, we, uh, we, we played a couple on the way out until the ban took place. Uh, now we've submitted an official appeal to get back into the province and perform, but it'll probably uh, wreck all the shows on this tour anyway. It seems like somebody's trying to wreck this interview because your phone's sounding really weird there. Yeah, I'm getting some sort of feedback. Wow, are you uh, you're not listening to us on the internet at the nope, same time, nope. are you? No, I'm not. Oh, damn, I was hoping you would. Well, actually, we enjoy, we enjoy the feedback. Have you been sabotaged before? Is this sabotaging new? You know, phone feeding back, getting shows canceled. This is something new for you. Like, you're in entertainment, you're doing well, and then all this stuff happens. This is new for our back. No, that's, uh, that, that's pretty consistent. It's always a battle, it seems. <laughs> the board policy number seems really interesting that they banned you from Alberta Orbax. And again, we're talking to Orbax from the... Or, is it the Orbax? How do you describe it? The Orbax Sideshow? What is the official yeah, name? Well, we, we call it the Great Orbax Sideshow. The Great Orbax Sideshow was banned in Alberta because, quote, entertainment that has the potential to be considered bizarre, grotesque, or offensive must be referred to the board for approval before being provided. This includes entertainment involving live animals, excluding magical acts. Where does the live animals fit in there? I don't know. We, uh, we have no live animals in the show except for us. So does that mean people should still go to be a bit upset that there's no live animals? <laughs> well, we, we bring around a kitten, but, uh, you know, that's just to, uh, to punch Orbax, is there a manual for all this? Like I'm saying, oh, there's going to be live an, man, man, live manuals, live man, live manimals. Well, there is going to be a live manimal, isn't there? The berry, the berry. Yeah, yeah, well, the berry wild man. Yeah. Is there a manual for all this? Is there something that people follow? Because I'm assuming, oh, there's going to be animals for the side show. Are people expecting thir- certain things? What are you bringing them that they should expect or that might not expect? All we ask them to expect is to have a night of great entertainment. Uh, we perform all types of different acts. They'll probably be shocked. They'll probably be disgusted at some point or another. But uh, they'll definitely be laughing every minute. Now, you've said that none of the tricks are new. Is that true? You must have invented something new. What have you invented, the great Orbax? Well, uh, nothing new has ever really come out of Sideshow. Anything you can think of has pretty much been done hundreds of years ago. But uh, we put our own interesting twists on it. Uh, we have a giant mouse trap, about four feet by two feet, that uh, my partner sticks his face into. Oh, that sounds really good. I was just picturing that. Yeah, yeah. It's a a la Bumblebee Man on The Simpsons. Have you tried to bring any of that equipment over the border? Or are you mainly confined to Canada? Um, we haven't tried to uh, go across. We've done some stuff in Europe before, and that's worked out well. But getting across to the U.S. border is uh, a difficult endeavor, even without a giant mouse trap. How about with the mousetrap on an airplane, bringing all your stuff on the airplane and all the piercings and all that? How does that go down? Do you need a special jet? Well, I've got a, a sequence of metal beads that have been implanted in my chest, and they seem to set off the metal detector every time we go through. So, <laughs> How do you explain it to the airport attendants? Are they quite forgiving to that sort of thing? Are they used uh, to sideshow yeah, performers? I, I, th- I think so. Uh, when we get up there and get to go across, they, they get pretty interested looks on their faces. Who was Melvin Burkhart? Melvin Burkhart was uh, the originator of one of the oldest acts, the human blockhead. Uh, he was a sideshow guy in the mid-30s to late-60s. 
Did you ever meet him at all? Because he lived no, till. No, I didn't. But he, I, I've heard great things about him. I've, I've, he was still into his old age. He was still hammering a giant nail into his face. He lived till 94. That's quite yeah. a long time. So does that say that when you are a sideshow performer, you live on and on and on? It's not dangerous. It's not dangerous being a sideshow performer because Malcolm Burkhart lived till 94. Yeah, well, I would say, uh, you know, like, like any stunt performer, you're as good and as long as the act you perform. Uh, Evil Knievel went on for quite a while, even though he was in and out of the hospital. Everybody has their accidents, but, you know, if you're safe and you use a certain amount of calculated risk, you can potentially go on forever. Orbach's performing tonight at the Cobalt and tomorrow night at the Red Room in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada as part of the great Orbach's Sideshow. What are the coolest venues that you have performed? Like the coolest old school theaters, aside from the Cobalt and the Red Room you're playing in Vancouver. What are some of the cooler venues you performed at? You performed at Uculet and there were like deer in the venue, weren't there? There were actual yes. deer in the venue. Literally just outside the door, there were deer. Have there been any other theaters you've looked forward to performing in, like old uh, school? We love Victoria. Victoria's always a fun city. Um, uh, I really enjoy Edmonton and Calgary as well. The particular theaters, though, are they really old theaters? Like, have you performed in any old theaters that have old tracks? I've, I've done some stuff with some different burlesque troops. Uh, there's a couple old, old theater in uh, Toronto that we've performed in, Sudbury even, under the shadow of the Big Nickel. The Great Orbax from the Great Orbax Sideshow. Quote, I've seen crappy goth freak shows. <laughs> Is that a quote about us or from me? That's from you. What, okay. <laughs> what crappy goth freak shows have you seen? Oh, uh, well, I, when I was uh, first learning sort of the ways of the Sideshow, I noticed that uh, every act that I saw was kind of self-important and dark and moody and I saw it and I said wow I bet you this would be really good if you put a bunch of comedy with it and how does it compare to you guys oh we're a, we're a laugh a minute what is the difference between you Orbax and Gigi Allen well uh, he had eyebrows that's it otherwise we look strikingly similar I've also never spent time in prison pickled punks what can you tell the people about pickled punks or backs? Pickled punks is a traditional sideshow display where they took uh, stillborn deformed babies and put them in jars and put them on display, usually for a horrors of drug abuse type uh, sideshow. You would go in, you'd pay a quarter, and you would take a look around and see deformed babies, horrors of uh, modern medicine gone wrong and such. So they, they pitched it as educational as well as sensational. And you're bringing this back, aren't you? You're bringing back the pickled punks through your fiendish curiosities website. Yep. That's true. Uh, my, my side business is creating special effects and taxidermy. So we do rubber versions of those, uh, those deformed uh, babies. The demand for these deformed babies is pretty high. David Copperfield really wants one, doesn't he? Uh, well, he's never purchased any of those, but we have sold some stuff to him before, yeah. What has he been looking for, and what did he buy, and what are people looking for? What more could David Copperfield want? Doesn't he have all the little magic stuff in his archives? Well, this is the thing. He does have that huge magic collection. So what we've been uh, doing is creating stuff for a museum of his. Uh, so a lot of traditional sideshow displays, devil boys, um, different types of deformed skull 
specimens, uh, some mummies, some pygmies, you know. You're recreating them for him. Yeah, so I, I do model replicas using latex and uh, different types of rubber, different types of sculpture techniques. Do you get to see what he had? Like, does he send you photos of what he no, had? No, I, I haven't got the chance to uh, check out his collection yet, but, man, if I could... It's neat to you rep Canada, the great Orbax, from the great Orbax Sideshow performing tonight at the Cobalt and tomorrow night at the Red Room. The two-headed grouse. You give props to Nuclear Chalk River. That's right. I've been through the, uh, the Chalk River facility. What's the idea behind that, the two-headed grouse? Well, the idea was that, I believe it was in the 50s, that the Chalk River nuclear plant had Canada's only recorded nuclear meltdown. And what they did was they poured all the cooling water into the core to sort of prevent it from exploding. Back then, though, they just took the water and dumped it out in the woods all around the place afterwards, which probably isn't that uh, good of an idea in retrospect, knowing what uh, nuclear radiation does to wildlife. And you've brought it back as something that people can buy. Yeah, Exactly. And you are again the Great Orbax from the Great Orbax Sideshow. How about the corporate gigs that you've done? Those must be pretty fun. You're playing yeah, at the Cobalt. What are the corporate gigs like? Corporate gigs are, are, are pretty good. They're, they're not as crazy as a show like the Cobalt would be. Um, but we, we've done some stuff for Jagermeister Canada and for Mac Cosmetics and, and things like that. And they're, they're, they're a good time. You get to sit around and, and uh, freak out people who maybe weren't expecting the chance to isn't that the whole thing about your shows? When people go to your shows, they get involved. There's a lot of audience involvement yeah. there. So for the corporate gigs, the bosses are mingling with the secretaries, even though they necessarily don't want to, right? Everybody gets involved. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you try to get up everybody that you can. I always, I always found that uh, you know people show up to side shows or freak shows, and you, you look at the freaks and you look at the performers, and, and you, know, you have your own responses, but the best responses that you can get are by looking at your friends right up there, right in the heat of the action, seeing a guy pull a nail or a fork out of his face. What do you know about the guy known as Guinea Pig? There was some, like, Guinea Pig TV show. What do you know Ryan about... Ryan Stock. Yes. Ryan Stock's uh, good friends of ours. Ryan Stock and Amber Lynn, both. Uh, they've been performing and touring for many, many years. And they have, like, a TV show in yeah. Canada, or is it in the States? No, it's, it's in Canada. Uh, he's basically a human guinea pig, so exploring the endurance of the human body and demonstrating the science behind it. Who are you bringing with you on this particular tour there, or backs? You've brought this quite a few different tour. people. Do you have Monsieur Stinky Pants with you? No, we don't. We have a Sweet Pepper Klopek will be here. He's the uh, billed as the handsomest man in the world, as well as uh, our pain-proof uh, demolition machine. He's uh, screaming for Skull Crusher, who's playing at the Cobalt, but he's also going to be doing sideshow tricks with us. Uh, at the Red Room show, we have uh, Bloody Betty, who is from originally from Vancouver and now in Victoria, but does a gore-lesque routine. And we have a gentleman by the name of Russ Fox, who inserts all types of flesh hooks into his body and lifts himself off the ground and swings a... Uh, Cinder blocks around from hooks in his face and the whole deal. And that's all tonight at the Cobalt. Is all that tonight at the Cobalt or is some of that tomorrow night some at the Red Room? Some of that's tonight, some of it's tomorrow night. We're splitting it up. Tomorrow night's going to be the, the, the full sideshow proper. And tonight's more of a, a rock show with some teasers. And who are the other bands playing tonight? Or who are the bands playing tonight? Because 
the great Orbach Sideshow is not a band, or do you play any instruments? I myself do not play, no. I was never blessed with the ability to uh, play any sort of musical instrument. However, I can be dropped on my head from quite a distance up and still be okay. But tonight at the Cobalt, you're going to see Skullcrusher, which is uh, Canada's greatest uh, skate thrash band. And also Whiteboard Project and Compound Terror. How have you blended in with other things in the world there, Orbax? Being the sideshow guy that you are, how do you deal, say, when you go shopping? or You tried wrestling. You tried wrestling. Yep, were you t- I, was, I was a pro wrestler for a little while. Were you too over the top there? Like, were people mad that you were too into it? Because I saw some photos, and, like, you're, like, covered in blood. Were yeah, people mad that you were too into it? <laughs> like, were you too into it? Because you said no, not no, everybody. They, they, everybody had, had quite a good time. I mean, even back then, you'd get covered in blood and doing the hardcore wrestling. Yeah, it was all about having a show and, and, and making it an enjoyable, entertaining experience. So I took my uh, position as a villain fairly seriously <laughs> and did what I could to uh, add to the rich lexicon of wrestling history. To end the interview right now, Orbax, I'm going to play one of your favorite bands, aside from Skullcrusher, The Matadors. What can you tell the people about The Matadors? Oh, they're a fantastic band. We've been working with them for years now. Um, actually, the first night I worked with them, my uh, head caught on fire and I was in the hospital for 10 days. And thankfully you recovered. I saw photos of that as well. That did not look too pretty. No, it wasn't. But it was one of those moments in your life where you have to sort of decide, is, is what you're doing inside your hobby or is it going to be a career? No fire tonight, though, at the no. Cobalt. I promised my grandma. Orbax, why should people care about the great Orbax sideshow? Well, we're trying to save an old dying art form. North America has been the hotbed of the circus, the sideshow, for years and years, and over the last 20, 30 years, it's just been dying off. So we're trying to bring back this type of live entertainment, and hey, I think it's a good time. Well, thanks so much for phoning in to the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show, Orbex. Really appreciate it. Anything else you want to say to the people out there at all? Come out tonight if you can. We're at the Cobalt tonight. Tomorrow night we're at the Red Room. Uh, And we're going to throw down and do a crazy show. So if you guys want to have a good time, then that'll be the place to be. All right. Well, thanks much, Orbex. Keep on rocking in the free world and doot doot a loot do. Doot doot. I feel a pain that I can't understand. I think I keep on creeping in my heart. I'm going to have to take what you got to your life. when you're on that ass dog, Because when I get a hold of the night, I'm a fiend. I'm a rabbit dog, yeah. Out of control, I think you should know. I'm, babe, I'm above the law. What makes this world spin right is pain and broken hearts. Well, don't it scare you half the day, On driving all night and I sleep all day. One hand on the wheel, one foot on the gas, one foot on the grave. I'm hellbound to mow you down, so get the same hell out my way. So get up, get a move on, baby. You heard a single what I say, yeah. Well, I always finish what I started. I swear your mom thinks I'm retarded. Oh, 
You're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard the Matadors with Creepin' Demon. The Matadors are good friends with the great Orbax, who is performing tonight at the Cobalt and tomorrow night at the Red Room. Right now in the studio, who do we have? Hello, are you their guest? Who are you? I sure am. I'm Richard Gage, uh, architect of 20 years. Uh, who are you, Richard Gage, exactly? Please really? explain. I should say specifically, though, you are Richard Gage, you are San Francisco Bay architect Richard Gage AIA. Is that right? Indeed. I've said it correctly. Please could you explain? about Richard Cage, San Francisco architect, AIA. Well, I was a normal architect until about uh, two years ago when I was driving down the road uh, and listening to free speech radio in Berkeley, California, where I am uh, from. And uh, don't ask me why I was listening to free speech radio. I'm a Reagan Republican. But there I was, and I heard uh, on the radio this rather reluctant 9-11 researcher, David Ray Griffin, talking about things that I had never heard before about the World Trade Center high-rise collapses on 9-11. And so I I listened, and what he said, he was talking about 20-ton beams being ejected laterally out of the Twin Towers at 50 miles an hour with the ends of these beams dripping with molten metal. He was talking about uh, 118 firefighters Uh, being recorded as uh, talking about the explosions and the flashes of light that they saw and uh, these these wrapping all the way around the building on all four sides as they described it Uh, 118 of them uh, very 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 interesting stuff it went on and on and on I looked around as I could and found that that was just the beginning of a lot of very very dark evidence uh, surrounding the events uh, of the collapses of these buildings. So I researched and uh, unfortunately I uncovered uh, greater evidence for the explosive controlled demolition of all three of these 
high-rise collapses on 9-11, and I, I'd like to talk about that today. And Richard Gage, you're going to be talking about it tomorrow as well. You're in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Patrick has brought you up. Hello, Patrick. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. You've got Richard Gage in yeah. up here to CITR. You specifically brought him up to CITR. Thank you so much. That's right. It's my fault. Could you please explain, Richard Gage, Vancouver, what's going on tomorrow? And you've done this before. How is this going to top what you've done before? Uh, well, we've brought a number, number of uh, big-name speakers uh, to talk about 9-11 here in Vancouver. Um, but this is an event that I've, uh, my personal ball of wax, I uh, wanted to bring somebody here to just talk about facts and not be honest from the tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy side of 9-11, just get in like the actual nitty-gritty. And I couldn't think of anybody better to bring than Richard Gage. And tomorrow, it's going to be at the Alice McKay Room, and that's in the Vancouver Public Library. Yep. 8 o'clock? Uh, 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock, $8 to get in. $8 to get in. If you buy a ticket ahead of time, $10 if you buy one at the door. And we also have Richard here live. You really are Richard, aren't you? You really are Richard Gage, or should I say San Francisco Bay Architect Richard Gage, AIA. There you go. You're here live on CITR Radio, 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR, if you have any questions for Richard. And again, you can also ask questions for Richard tomorrow night at the Alice McKay Room, and that's in the Vancouver Public Library, 350 West Georgia in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. But any questions for Richard, 604-822-2487, 604-UBC. UBC CITR, you can phone right now. Richard, what would Frank Lloyd Wright think of all this? Well, <laughs> uh, he'd probably turn over in his grave when he learned that 110 floors of the Twin Towers, each of them an acre in size, uh, uh, f- uh, collapsed at virtually free fall speed against 80,000 tons of structural steel. He would also turn over in his grave uh, realizing that uh, those 110 floors appeared to have pulverized into uh, fine dust or powder, really, which, uh, la- which laid out over the, the, uh, the entire area of lower Manhattan. Uh, the, not one floor, in fact, is found at the bottom of either of the Twin Towers. He would turn over in his grave because there is tons of molten metal found underneath all three of these high-rise buildings. Uh, there's no answer in the official story for this tons of, of molten metal seen by the first responders flowing like lava, as they describe it. Uh, this uh, molten metal uh, also is seen by the World Trade Center structural engineer Leslie Robertson who says as of 21 days after the attacks, molten steel was still running. Well, what's the problem? Uh, the official story, NIST, National Institute of Standards and Technology, denies that there was any molten metal against the dozens of witnesses who, who saw it and photographs as well. We have a caller. Caller, are you there? Yeah. Go ahead to San Francisco Bay Architect Richard Gage, AIA. Hi. Wow, it's a pleasure to, to speak to you, and good job, Nardwar. Man, you, you get them all. <laughs> I, I have a question for you, and, and I, I read this in a, in a David Icke book, so... <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you think about the theory of, like, like uh, soft dissonance being used to uh, shatter all that glass to make the flames burst out like they did? Well, the flames in the, these uh, three high-rise uh, collapses were not hot, not long-lasting, and not very large compared to hundreds of other high-rise buildings uh, which, which uh, have not collapsed. Not one high-rise has ever collapsed due to 
uh, fire. And why? Because the, the, these, this incredible steel frame structure of these collapses draws away the, 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 the temperature, the heat, uh, whose temperature is only 930 to 1200 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm an American, so I'll go with Fahrenheit. Okay. Um, and whereas this, all this molten metal steel doesn't even begin to melt until about uh, 2700 degrees. So we're missing th about three times the amount of heat required to produce this molten metal. So where does it come from? We've got to look at the chemical evidence of thermate, a high-tech incendiary used by the military and others to cut through steel like a hot knife through butter. Well, the chemical evidence is there in the slag on the ends of the beams, it's in all the World Trade Center dust, and it's in the previously molten chunks of, of this of this substance. So what is it? We're talking uh, iron oxide, aluminum, sulfur. Now, sulfur is very well documented and the melting is very well documented by the way by FEMA uh, who, who in their appendix C uh, characterized some of this as, as gaping holes larger than a silver dollar. Uh, right. Intergranular melting they describe it. Fires can't, normal office fires can't produce this. So right. we're, we're talking about uh, an extremely serious problem that when people, uh, almost every architect and engineer that we present this to, and you can come tomorrow night and, and, and see all of this evidence laid out graphically uh, in, wow. in a two-hour format, it's, it's extremely uh, per, uh, compelling. Uh, most people end up signing our petition demanding a new investigation. So I encourage people to go to the website, ae911truth.org, to see this evidence and then to come out uh, tomorrow night at 7. Yeah. Caller, any other questions for Richard Gage at all? Well, I, I guess just one. I don't know if this is beyond the scope of your interview or not, but, I mean, what do you think of the, the greater implications of the fact that the whole thing was staged? I mean, <laughs> I, what do you say about that? Uh, that's a that's quite a decent question, and I just want to preface the the, uh, the 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 answer with the suggestion that uh, architects and engineers for 9/11 Truth, over 300 of us, uh, demanding a new investigation, are are not conspiracy theorists. We're technical building professionals, okay, and yeah. and so we don't uh, speculate too much uh, about this because. It's important that we present the facts and uh, that an investigation reveal the answers to a lot of these questions. They're, they're obvious questions. Who could have done it? Who could have gotten away with it? Why? Um, and, and we can, uh, we can uh, pose a, a few uh, suggestions that, that might help us in that respect. Uh, we have to, f as usual in these investigations, follow the money. It's interesting to note, for instance, that over $100,000 was wired from Pakistan's ISI, which is their CIA, yeah. uh, to Mohammed Atta, one of the hijackers in the yeah. United States. So that's uh, quite curious. This is our friend, right, Pakistan. Yeah. Also, it turns out that uh, over $180 billion was uh, the street value of the opium being shipped out of Afghanistan before the Taliban came into power and shut it down yeah. to 187 metric tons from 2,800 metric tons. After we kicked them out, the values are 3,500 metric tons after the first year. Guess what it is today? Uh, right 6,700 no 6, metric tons. It has skyrocketed. There is no 
uh, war on, on opium production in Afghanistan today. Who's making that money? Well, that's uh, part of the investigation that we're looking forward to. This, this $180 billion a year was over four times the combined profits of the oil companies uh, put together. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for phoning in, caller. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 loot do Do-do. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show. And we have San Francisco Bay architect Richard Gage, AIA, comma, San Francisco, in live on the Nardwarty Human Serviette. Richard is going to be tomorrow, 7 p.m., at the Alice McKay Room at the Vancouver Public Library. Richard, you are an AIA. You are an architect. I was curious, what can people Google Earth to see what you have designed? Is there anything that you've designed that people can Google Earth and people can check? And what do you think of Vancouver architecture? <laughs> We're going to tour the city today. I actually haven't been to Vancouver before, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to see some of the uh, buildings downtown. Uh, particularly the public library where, we'll be, where we will be speaking uh, tomorrow. I understand it's a very, very nice building. Uh, but anyway, you can Google Earth uh, a high school I've worked on, uh, a $120 million high school in, the, in San Ramon, California, which has plenty of steel framing. Uh, What's the name? It's Doherty Valley High School. Doherty Valley, Valley High School. Yeah, in San Ramon. Caller, are you... Th- oh, please phone back, caller. I think I hung up on you. If anybody has any questions for Richard Gage about architecture, or what's the name of your actual presentation tomorrow? 9-11, Blueprint for Truth, The Architecture of Destruction. It is 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. Caller, are you there? Not your guest. Go ahead, Hans. Um, thanks for doing this. Can you hear me? Yes, sorry, we're having some weird sort of craziness happen. Actually, it's happened a few times before when I've had, I had Orbax on and there was kind of some weirdness going on. When I w- once was doing an interview with um, a guy who believed that the moon landing was faked, he told me he was doing an interview, and when he was doing the interview, they dropped the napalm on the transmitter to stop the interview from happening. So hopefully uh, there's not weirdness, not. hopefully there's not weirdness happening there on purpose or anything like that, but well, caller, go ahead anyways, if you could, to Richard Gage. Okay, Richard Richard Gage and Nardwar. Uh, you know what, I'm going to call you back because this this doesn't make sense. What, the, the phone line? Yeah, can you hear me at all? Yes, we can hear you, can you hear okay, me? Well, yeah, well, well, you should be aware of, of one thing, that every single show on CITR or any other dinky radio in this town is being listened by uh, our secret service anyway. So, you know, they make the notes. And if this show like this, they, they will try to, well, you know, cut as many people as possible just, just to listen to it, right? So, well, that Napalm thing might not happen. It might happen. Anyway, thanks for doing this, Nardwar. For me, I, I have no uh, degree in architecture or, or building or anything like this. I, for me, it was so obvious after a couple of minutes when I saw this, that this is whole stage thing. So the only question is, is just who did it and why they did it. And of course, why did it is because of money. And good thing you're doing this. That, that's all, all I have to say. Thank you, Hans. Let me tell you about the, um, the, the, the one building that most people do not even know about it because we never heard about it from that day on. 
uh, uh, that's World Trade Center Building 7, a 47-story right. skyscraper <clears throat> that collapsed into its own footprint in about six and a half seconds, the overall global collapse. Is that there, the, that's the building where the CIA files were, right? That's right. Uh, the, the, um, the building... Uh, there are witnesses uh, describing sounds of explosions and seeing the windows busting out, a sound of a clap of thunder. Uh, a former Air Force uh, office, officer, uh, uh, search and rescue officer, Kevin McPadden, describes hearing a countdown on a radio by, held by a Red Cross worker, three, two, one, and then he says, kaboom, and he heard the, felt the ground rumble. Uh, in addition, now fires, which is the official source of the collapse of this building, uh, do, do not respond to countdowns. Uh, this is not normal for fires. Uh, they, they're an organic process. They move around a building every 20 minutes or so. And yet, and, and this tells us there were about eight small fires in this particular building, presumably started by the collapse of World Trade Center uh, North Tower. Well, yeah, well, the, and then we have the pools of molten metal found at the bottom of this with the chemical evidence of, of this thermate uh, in, in the molten metal. So the, the forensic evidence is, is there. Uh, and, and a building, by the way, cannot collapse. This 40,000 tons of structural steel holding this building up cannot collapse and crush that steel at free fall speed. Uh, this, this building can may be able to fall at free fall speed, but it can't also crush the 40,000 tons of structural steel. So the, that, that steel had to have these cutter charges put in it. The, cutter, the thermate is an aluminothermic reaction whose byproduct is molten iron. This is what is found at the bottom of these buildings. It's molten iron, not uh, melted structural steel. Now, you see, the, the people like you, they're trying to, to, to reach some mainstream media, and they always are rejected. So that, that's the obvious reason. They just want this thing to, to, to people. They want people to forget about it. Well, thank you so much for phoning in, Hans. Any other questions at all to Richard Gage? You actually had the chance to speak to Daniel Hopsicker when he was oh, on my radio God. show. Well, was it ever a painful discussion? Do you know who Daniel Hopsicker is at all, Richard Gage? I've heard the name, certainly. He's a 9-11 researcher who actually interviewed Mohammed. Well, do, do not call him researcher, you know, call him liar. Well, he actually interviewed a lot of people that were involved in 9-11 that hadn't been interviewed, like Mohammed Atta's girlfriend. Mohammed Atta's girlfriend is still alive, and he interviewed Mohammed Atta's girlfriend. And that made me think, actually, Richard, you've been doing a lot of touring, getting out there on the road. Have you run into any interesting characters like Obama or Clinton or Mohammed Atta's girlfriend? Who's come out to your stuff? You must have been crossing paths with some interesting people. Yeah, well, I've uh, certainly met Stephen Jones and uh, David Ray Griffin, uh, the one that I heard. And these, these people have dedicated their lives to exposing the truth about 9-11 because we do not uh, hear it on the mainstream media. Why, by the way? Well, it turns out that 90% uh, of the mainstream media is owned by about four corporations who, uh, who sits on those corporations' uh, boards, uh, with the same people who sit on the boards of the corporations uh, in, the, in the defense industry, the media industry, the banking industry, the insurance industry. Uh, these, these people... Uh, all move together as a flock uh, with their own interests in mind, and uh, and apparently that it, 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 that those interests do not include uh, you and I as, as as normal citizens. Caller, any other questions, Hans, for that, Richard Gage? That was an answer. You know, that was an answer. Who did this? 
Hans Klaas would like to know who did this. Can you answer that? No, no, no. That? I said, well, he just, he just mentioned those corporations and that, that we have a source of it. Well, and you, the you only, follow... The only, the only thing we, we would have to know is just what kind what what people... The names, but that's not... The names of people who did it, but that's not going to make any difference because those people probably are probably dead by now anyway. <laughs> Well, uh, there's there's other interesting evidence that I want to bring to uh, the listeners' uh, attention as well, and these are uh, red chips uh, found in all the World Trade Center dust. These are uh, unexploded uh, chips of thermite. Uh, they are red on one side, gray on another. They're about a, the largest one's about a sixteenth of an inch long. They are nanoparticles of aluminum and iron oxide, potassium permanganate and other chemicals uh, that are the key ingredients of aluminothermic reactions, but with its nano size, it becomes extremely explosive. So this, this stuff is, uh, is it's like your gas tank. We, we, it doesn't all burn. Uh, so we have some of the stuff that's partially ignited. Uh, it, the, you did not hear about this in the mainstream media, and you should be shocked. Uh, maybe not you, Hans, but there are many of the listeners uh, upon hearing some of this. Well, you, we will show you these, these chips uh, tonight and the work of Dr. Jones, uh, re- revolutionary work that, that has been uh, followed up and verified by others. In fact, these iron-rich spheres that are spa- found in all the World Trade Center dust are, in fact, the, uh, the direct evidence of uh, the ex- explosive uh, uh, aluminothermic reaction uh, because thousands of cutter charges throughout the columns and beams in these buildings uh, w- under intense pressure and the byproduct of is molten iron, this would create uh, by the surface tension of each of these uh, pieces a, a, a perfect sphere. And then they cool in the air and they drop as these uh, tiny, most of them smaller than the human eye can see, uh, spheres of iron-rich, uh, uh, and then they have these other iron-rich metal. So they have all these other chemicals in them, and this is found in all of the samples that Dr. Jones has done. It's been corroborated by the USGS, who found it in their samples, and R.J. Lee, who was doing toxicological studies on the high-rise bank. This this technology is available only to Army, right? Well, that's interesting. This stuff is not made in a cave in Afghanistan. Let's put it that way. Only in the last uh, couple of years has... Uh, Los Alamos and Livermore Lab uh, released their uh, recent research on this uh, super thermite, they, they call it. Uh, it becomes very explosive when the particles are so small because the chain reaction is, is instantaneous. Thanks so much for phoning in, Hans. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 Boom, boom. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. And we have San Francisco Bay Architect Richard Gage, AIA, live on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. If you have any questions for Richard, it's 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. Richard will also be appearing tomorrow night, 7 p.m., at the Alice McKay Room. That's in the Vancouver Public Library, 350 West Georgia, at 7 p.m. Caller, are you there? Caller, are you there? Okay, if I cut you off, caller, are you there? Okay, caller, are you there? Caller, are you there? Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. 
Sorry about that. If I cut you off, if I cut anybody else off, please phone back. 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. Go ahead to Richard Gage. Can you hear me clearly? Yes, please. Speak up anyways, if you could. Okay. Um, great to hear what Mr. Gage has to say. Um, you know, I have to add, besides the fact that it, there's huge gaping holes in the official narrative in terms of uh, structure and what actually happened at WTC, you could take any aspect. You could take the aeronautics, you could take the chronology, the timeline, intelligence, uh, the complete lack of forensic evidence in support of a credible uh, so-called bin Laden theory. So it's not just that the, uh, from the WTC perspective that everything falls to pieces. Um, this, I, I think Building 7, obviously, is one of the big smoking guns. Um, but to me, you know, the bottom line when I talk to people about this uh, regarding Building 7, my father's an engineer, I'm not, but I think it's common sense. I mean, you, you just see what happened to Building 7, and you know that that is not a natural collapse. And the bottom line is fire, no fire, plane, no plane. Um, buildings and steel buildings, least of all, collapse in freefall speed symmetrically. And, and to me, that's the bottom line that people just sometimes can't get their minds around. And I think the concept of freefall speed, it's just it's so obvious. So I, I thank Mr. Gage. And what surprises me, the amount of denial from so-called professionals. I've run into this with uh, researchers in medicine and whatnot who live in such an insular world and are so emotionally tied to a certain narrative that they suddenly divorce themselves from all common sense and can't see the obvious, which to me is so obvious with the Building 7. What I did want to ask uh, Mr. Gage about was these front groups that are set up um, to basically sort of support the official narrative. And I'm thinking of, you know, of course, one of the obvious ones in terms of uh, reaching Joe Average as popular mechanics. Now, I read a quote from one of the Patriots that Popular Mechanics, in fact, is owned by the Hearst Publishers and that the uh, head of Popular Mechanics was fired and a number of key people on staff were fired and replaced uh, in a very timely fashion having to do with uh, getting this information um, or misleading information out regarding September 11th and defending the status quo. So basically about that, also Journal for 9-11 Studies, which to me, again, it's like, you know, they put in these people who basically represent a front point of view. Who has the money, means, and motive to do it? Well, clearly it's the administration. So those are the questions, but I will just end with this, because I know, Mr. Gage, it's not for the architects and engineers to speculate as to who is behind this. However, I will read or just simply mention that Robert Bowman, and he's not alone, and this is coming out of Mr. Bowman's mouth and a few others who are patriots of question911.org, uh, he's a major, major figure at U.S. Air Force, former head of Star Wars. Um, and he has come out and said that all roads pass through Dick Cheney. Other people have implicated people like Rove, Rumsfeld, Wolfowitz, the Project for New American Century folks. So while I understand Mr. Gage is not in a position to uh, speculate who might be at the helm, certainly uh, there are others who um, have made these conclusions. So, uh, caller, when, caller, when can we hear your radio show? <laughs> Sorry that I went on and on. No, like when that. can we hear your radio show? You I'd love to come on sometime. Oh, do you do a radio show? You seem yeah. very knowledgeable, caller. Oh, the other thing is too. I heard he's speaking in Victoria, so I'm just like, like if um, can you just confirm that you're also? Yes, are? I see that Richard is speaking at a church in Victoria. Does that happen often, Richard? You speak at churches. <laughs> 
I spoke at a large church that seated 1,000 people in Los Angeles. Thank you, caller, and doot do do loot do Thank you. A caller? Doot-do-do-loot-do. This is a okay, test. I don't know. Am I supposed to do the same yeah, thing? Yeah. Do no, no caller. Do 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 do. Okay, do 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 do. I guess. No caller. Do 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 do. Yes, oh, thank you. Okay. You passed the <laughs> test. Thank Bye. Thank you. And oh. you're still listening to CITR Radio FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. The Nardwari Human Serviette Radio Show. The phone lines are getting overloaded now. So if you're on hold, please keep waiting. We will get to you with Richard Gage. Richard is going to be in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, still tomorrow, Saturday, 7 p.m. at the Alice McKay Room. Tomorrow, also in Victoria on Sunday night. Is it in Sunday sun- at 2 p.m. Sunday at 2 p.m. Now, St. John the Divine Church on Quadra Street. And did you want to answer anything that the caller yeah, was? Yeah, there was uh, 16 questions there. I'll take one of them on. Uh, w- let me paint this uh, a, a little e- th- this picture because it it, it helps. We've got uh, the, the planes hit the World Trade Center uh, North North Tower at about 15 stories down from the top. So let's take a 15-story building and hold it up by this massive crane. Uh, above the top of an 80, a 95-story building below it. And then next to it, we're going to hold another 15-story building above 95 stories above the ground, but nothing, nothing underneath it. Now, the, we're going to pull the lever on these cranes and drop these two 15-story buildings at the same time. And I want to ask you listeners, which one is going to hit the ground first, the one without any resistance under it or the one that has to crush 80,000 tons of structural steel before it hits the ground? Okay, so everybody says the one without any resistance underneath it. You've all passed the sixth grade physics test, but I'm sorry to inform you that on 9-11, the laws of physics have changed. We're told that they both hit the ground at the same time. That's the official story. Ten seconds, 110 floors, uh, crushing 80,000 tons of structural steel at virtually free-fall speed. Uh, That's what we're talking about, but guess what? When you come to the presentation tomorrow night, you'll see that there was no 15-story section to crush anything. In the first two seconds, it's destroyed. It, it, it's de- it, de- half of it has been disintegrated, and, the, and in, within four seconds, it is all disintegrated, such that after four seconds, what we have is the building tearing itself apart at free fall speed with nothing crushing it down. 20, 40, and 60 stories below this, these, uh, col- the, these explosions that wrap around the building uniformly, even though we have asymmetrical damage, the 20, 40, and 60 stories below, we have these explosions that occur at the midpoints of the buildings on various sides. Well, these occur at 100, 150 to 200 feet per second, and they, they, they're also full of pulverized building materials, including columns and so forth. These are not puffs of air, as the official story tells us, being pushed down by this non-existent 15-story building section. Richard, why didn't the Empire State Building fall? Why didn't it fall when an airplane hit it? And also, have buildings like the World Trade Center ever been demolished before, a building ever that high? Has it ever been demolished? No, this is a very, 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 very high building. At one time, the highest uh, couple of buildings in in the world. Uh, No, they've never uh, been demolished. There has been some high-rises that have been demolished, though, from the top down. Uh, this is uh, you'll see this also at, at, at the presentation as far as the Empire State Building, which was hit by a B-25 bomber, uh, had severe fires in it, by the way, and uh, did not collapse. In fact, um, 
There was also a very severe fire on the 11th or 12th floor of the North Tower uh, back in 1995, 93. Uh, very severe fire uh, went before it had uh, fire sprinklers. Uh, it did not uh, collapse, uh, of course, either. What we have here is an assisted collapse. Caller, are you there? I'm here. Go ahead to Richard Gage. Yeah, I just, I'd like to say, first of all, um, I really appreciate the work you're doing because I, I'm actually a Muslim. I was born in Vancouver. And to me, it was obvious. I'm not an engineer, but to me, it was obvious at the time that this was a setup. It looked to me like a setup. What I want to know is, you know, um, I just tuned in recently, so I didn't hear your whole preamble, and I didn't hear the whole conversation, but um, I have heard um, Dr. Jones before talking about how they found, uh, through his study, a patented form of, of thermite, an actual patented form of thermite. Now, and I'm sure with, uh, you know, the other structural and architectural evidence, it can be, you know, more than provable in court of law anyway that this was a demolition. This fits a demolition model. What level of evidence do we have to reach here uh, in terms of scientific engineering architectural evidence to get an official investigation once again underway, a, a re-examination? Is this something that, you know, you, you would have knowledge of? Do you understand, is there any, do you know of any, um, you know, official overtures towards reopening the 9-11 Commission? Because I know the first commission was run by that fellow Zelikow, and that seemed a bit of a tainted uh, you know, a tainted body, but uh, do you know of, you know, with the sort of evidence that's uh, being presented to people now in, in forums and audiences around North America and whatnot, I'm sure in Europe as well, um, is there any move on an official level from the federal government in the United States anyway about reopening the investigation, or is it just deafening silence? Uh, it's, I would have to characterize it as a deafening silence, and I think I'll I'll try to help listeners understand uh, a little bit by talking about the executive director of the 9/11 Commission, uh, who, after massive protests against the first appointee, who was uh, Henry Kissinger, uh, from the Bush administration, Philip Zalikow. Uh, received his Ph.D. Uh, in the subject of creation of public myth. And uh, we, we find that uh, very, very interesting. Uh, it turns out that the Democrats and Republicans, uh, all of them, on the commission had massive conflicts of interest with these industries that I mentioned, uh, the, the banking, oil, and defense industries. Uh, and, and, and so we didn't really have uh, an investigation uh, in fact, I would refer the listeners to uh, the book, excellent book, 9-11 uh, Commission Omissions and Distortions by David Ray Griffin. And it's extraordinary because it, it points out all of the holes uh, in, in the commission report. But this deafening silence uh, is going to be pierced by 1,000 architects and engineers who will be signing this petition by September 11th. But I'm asking all of the listeners to help us achieve that reality uh, by sending the AE911truth.org link to every architect and engineer that you know or that you can find and send it to everybody uh, else on your email list. Richard, how have the architects responded to you? What do they think of you doing these talks, the Architectural Institute? What do they think about that? Uh, I would have to say that the architects and engineers who have seen this presentation that we're going to present uh, tomorrow night 
almost all of them have agreed with us and have signed the petition, and that's why we have over 300 right now. I was specifically wondering, because on your website, you have this interesting poll where you do a poll, don't you? Every time you have a presentation, you do a poll afterwards. Could you explain it, like show of hands? But I noticed you didn't have the show of hands poll after speaking to the Architectural Institute. Well, I I never spoke to the uh, American Institute of Architects. Uh, In fact, uh, they're trying to... uh, stop the use of the uh, their logo uh, on my website uh, because uh, they're I guess they're feeling threatened or something uh, the, the, that may give us an opportunity to present this evidence uh, directly to them the AIA praised the work of NIST the National Institute of Standards and Technology uh, but they said but hold on there the, the code changes the building code changes that you're recommending are not really required our building codes are just fine thank you very much well that's quite an inconsistency. If we had the total collapse of a 47-story skyscraper, like a house of cards, uh, due to a normal office fire, then we have serious problems, uh, uh, which, which is the official story, by the way, according to this, uh, in, our, in our codes. So uh, the, the AIA is not responding credibly. Caller, do you still have any other questions at all for Richard Gage? Yeah, I'd like to uh, maybe get his input on the hole in the Pentagon and sort of... Uh, uh, maybe you touched on it earlier, but, uh, you know, it, it, um, I think that uh, many people that believe in alternative theories other than the official narrative around 9-11, doesn't seem like a plane hit that building. Maybe you commented it on earlier, but I'm sure it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of opinions around uh, the hole in the Pentagon. So what, what was your take on that as an architect when you saw the damage and then you heard the story that this is what the plane did and this is the damage that resulted? Well, there's enough uh, evidence at the Pentagon to suggest that the official story uh, doesn't add up whatsoever. Uh, They will not release the tapes as to show us what hit the Pentagon. The the, uh, five frames of one video that they released does not show an airplane. So uh, we we uh, are demanding, and by the way, the FBI collected all of the tapes within 10 minutes of that attack uh, from nearby hotel and and gas station. So there is uh, there there is obviously a cover up. As far as to what hit the Pentagon, uh, we don't really have a comment on that. We focus on the high-rise uh, collapses on 9-11. Well, thanks so much, caller. And remember, if you want to go check out Richard Gage, it's tomorrow night, 7 p.m. at the Alice McKay Room at the Vancouver Public Library. Thanks for phoning in, caller. Thank you. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. If you have any questions for Richard Gage, it's 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. Caller, are you still there? Hello, caller. Caller. Patient caller that's been holding for so long. Patient caller ran out of patience. But if you'd like to phone back, caller, sorry about that. 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. What I was wondering, Richard Gage, is wouldn't Building 7 have had a self-destruct button on it anyways since it was housing the CIA and the Department of Defense? Wouldn't they have a self-destruct button on it if it has all these documents in it? Oh, extremely unlikely. You, you also had uh, 27 floors of a major financial institute, institution, uh, Solomon Smith Barney. Uh, so uh, no, no building is going to be approved with a self-destruct uh, button on it. Um, 
Uh, Did it have an unusual design at all, the building? Did well, the building have an unusual design that may have contributed to it? And also, are there any sister buildings to number seven that are out there in the world that people could compare it to that have been detonated or dropped, etc.? There's a couple anomalies to this building. It was, first of all, it's a high-rise uh, structure that's built over the top of an existing electrical substation building. So it had cantilevers, uh, massive uh, structures that extended horizontally to support the uh, perimeter bearing wall. And uh, this, this um, so, so that would be all the more evidence if those heated up to uh, softening of steel uh, due to fire, uh, which, again, has never happened in a, in a high-rise building with much hotter fires. And I should go back. Just for a second, to say, in case people are wondering, maybe you could just quickly explain about what happened on 9-11 i.e. the World Trade Center, two buildings dropped and number seven dropped. People may not be sure what is building seven, I guess, to re-clarify. Yeah, yeah. this was a 47-story skyscraper about a football field in length away from the North Tower, which did sustain some damage and, uh, and fires and about eight different floors, scattered fairly small fires, um, according to NIST. Uh, and uh, it, it uh, then in the afternoon uh, collapses. Uh, after being... Uh, by the way, after, after being the firemen were not even fighting the fires in this building. They're all looking at each other. Why, why aren't we fighting the fires? Uh, well, they, they were told that there was structural damage and they weren't going to go in there because, well, it, 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 so interestingly enough, uh, we have uh, a comment from the, from the owner of the World Trade Center complex, Larry Silverstein, who, by the way, purchased the, the entire complex for about $3.2 billion only six weeks prior to 9-11. Many people don't know this, and the insurance that he, he, he got was uh, on it allowed him to collect $5.5 billion and walk away from uh, future payments. Uh, this is all interesting, but he says regarding Building 7 that he was talking to the fire commander and they were saying maybe the smartest thing to do is pull it. So they gave the order to pull, and we watched the building come down. Well, first of all, firemen don't pull buildings. Pulling is a term associated with controlled explosive demolition. Second of all, it takes months of planning and engineering to, to make such a thing happen. And third of all, there was no building department, uh, fire department in the building to pull. They weren't fighting the fires, according to NIST and, and FEMA. So... Uh, Oh, I forgot where I was. Caller, are you there? I am. Go ahead to Richard Gage. Uh, this is all fascinating stuff. And I remember my first reaction when I was watching it on TV was somewhat similar to, I guess, what you've concluded, was that, wow, those things just went down really fast. There must have been something else going on in there. And even in conversations that day, I remember saying that. And then later hearing, no, it was just the planes, and thinking, okay, I guess, because... What do I know about structural engineering and airplanes hitting buildings? So I'm I'm really um, interested in hearing what you're saying, and maybe there is an alternative uh, take on what happened, but I still can't get my mind around the fact of if it is a conspiracy, how many people, I mean, do dozens, hundreds, everybody working it all together? And, I mean, isn't it enough just to have the planes go in there we all saw, you know? Like the conspiracy thing, I just have a hard time trying to uh, envision it, you know, even though I'm as much a fan of conspiracies as anybody. So I'd just like to ask uh, your guest, um, what's your take on that? Can you imagine, the, you know, a conspiracy of everybody keeping quiet and doing it so well so long that it still hasn't come out? Well, um, with the direct... Uh 
uh, almost universal control over the mainstream media. Uh, it, it, they have a, a, a degree of control that we can only imagine. Uh, second of all, th this is a black ops uh, program where the uh, people in it, uh, involved in it, and maybe it was hundreds, uh, it didn't have to be that many, but certainly all the key people in key places. Uh, this compartmentalized. One one doesn't know what the other is is doing. A, B. We we don't. There, there's not an environment for these people to come out and uh, expose, spill the beans. The, there's the, every time somebody does try, and, and we're trying. Three hundred architects and engineers calling for a new investigation based on the direct science-based forensic evidence of controlled explosive demolition. Uh, I believe that's a story. We're trying to spill the beans. We can't get into mainstream uh, media. So, so there is control, uh, and there's not an environment that would encourage uh, whistleblowers to come out. Now, there's been plenty of whistleblowers in the FBI. People have lost their jobs, been threatened with their, their jobs. Uh, by Dave Frasca, for instance, the head of the counterterrorism uh, unit who shut down uh, investigations and... and uh, uh, people who are trying to to, to talk about uh, the fact that they knew Al Qaeda was coming uh, into uh, going to hijack an airplane and, and ram it into a building. Sometimes they knew even the dates. So the, the, the intelligence was there. In fact, nine foreign mil, foreign governments uh, gave us information about uh, uh, buildings being uh, targeted for. Uh, I'd like to ask Paul what he means when he says uh, that nothing's come out. I mean, you know about it, and we know about it. We're talking about it right now. There's hundreds of websites out there, and like dozens of books about it. I mean, you ask, go to New York City, a poll said that 75% of the population doesn't believe the official story. They want a new investigation. I mean, we're talking about millions and millions of people. I mean, you go to any third world country, and they all know the story that the Americans did it to themselves. It's only in America that people have trouble believing it. Well, I guess I mean the, the sense of someone saying, yeah, it was, I knew about it, I did it, and this is why, and now I got cancer, so I'm telling you all, or something, you know. And the, but the other question I had was about the commission, too. So, I mean, I wondered, uh, okay, so I guess they've, and I don't know anything about the commission, so please help me out here. But uh, the sense I got was they appointed whomever to study this thing and say, okay, we've gotten a lot of um, stories and accusations, let's look into it. And I guess, if I have it right, they came out and said, no, it was airplanes that knocked these buildings down. So if, if there is a conspiracy, the commission people are then in on it as well or just didn't read everything they're supposed to read, or what happened there? Well, we know that Philip Zelikow, the executive director, had complete power over who was interviewed, uh, how they were interviewed, and what was written in the report. And, and the commissioners didn't have uh, uh, control or uh, editing uh, ability or even review ability over that, over that final report. So a lot of facts were omitted. There's a lot of lies in it that are documented in David Ray Griffin's book. And I just want to suggest also that uh, there's, there's, uh, there's three individuals... Uh, in, in, including a former president of Italy, Cosiga, uh, 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 a, a major senator, uh, as we would call him in the United States, uh, of Japan, uh, Fujita, and the former defense minister of uh, Germany, uh, Andres von Bülow, all of whom are traveling around the world trying to wake up the world to the, to the facts uh, that they know this was an inside 
operation. Uh, we call it an inside operation only because it's clear that al-Qaeda did not have access uh, to these three buildings, which had to have been among the highest uh, secure buildings outside the Pentagon. The next question is, how would somebody have set the explosives in the Twin Towers without being seen by uh, something like 50,000 occupants? Well, if you had access to the, uh, the elevator hoistways in that building, uh, then you could, w w which is all of which are immediately adjacent to most of the core columns in the building, you could set these charges by hacking through the two layers of three-quarter inch gypsum board in those buildings and then removing the fireproofing on the core columns and setting those charges without anyone in the building knows save uh, security. Uh, and, by the way, the security company was changed by Larry Silverstein uh, six weeks prior to 9-11, uh, and that w company is Securicom, and I think it's Stratasec now, headed by uh, none other than Marvin Bush, interestingly enough, uh, George's younger brother. Caller, any other questions at yeah, all? Yeah, just one more. These are all um, interesting answers, and I thank you for them. The uh, well, last one, I guess, is when I'm trying to wrap my mind around the big picture of could this really be the, the way you're saying it, is why go to all the extra trouble of putting the explosives to actually take the buildings down when you've already done the most spectacular terrorist-style well, attack I take with a, two planes. I take exception with, with your comparison. What was more spectacular than the collapse of those buildings where debris was expelled? I mean, I mean 20-ton beams 500 feet laterally impaling themselves on surrounding buildings in a giant mushroom cloud in which obviously, well, as we learned, uh, over 2,700 people were being murdered. Uh, if you're going to stage an operation uh, like this and you want to invade two foreign countries and you need the pressure uh, of the, 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 the complicity, really, of, of the United States Congress, then you want to make it very dramatic. This is a psychological operation that was extremely successful. And it would not have been so successful had all those people not been murdered and those iconic buildings had not been destroyed in spectacular fashion. Well, thanks very much, caller, and doot doot a loot do And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show. And we're speaking here to Richard Gage, SF Bay Architect, AIA, and Richard will be tomorrow night, Saturday the 7th, at the Alice McKay Room at the Vancouver Public Library at 7 p.m. Long-time caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you for waiting, caller. You've <laughs> been on since the beginning of the show. Quite a lot of persistence. <laughs> Go ahead to Richard Gage. Sorry about taking so long uh, to get yes, to you. Yes, actually, a number of people uh, uh, have made some of the points that I wanted to make, and that is that there is absolutely no forensic evidence to back up the official story, and a lot of forensic evidence to back up the, the fact that this was uh, a fabricated an intentional operation. But I would like to get to the structure of the building because the official story has given many people the, the illusionary uh, uh, concept that this building was held up by these kind of flimsy outside frame. Now, could you give us a little bit of a description of what the inner core actually looked like and how a build, uh, an airplane hitting on the side could never have damaged uh, the, 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 that solid core in the middle to the point of, of collapsing it? Well, in, indeed, uh, the airplane did not only puncture the exoskeleton of the building, it damaged several of the core columns. So we, we don't dispute that, and that's... Uh, uh, but the core columns weren't flimsy. 
Well, the core columns were almost solid steel at the base, many of them 52 inches by 30 inches, and then inside, the, re the rest of them, uh, in, in, uh, inside and on the long short ends, uh, were 36 inches by 16 inches, almost solid steel at the base, thinning to uh, 2 inches at about mid-height. So... Uh, this is a structure within the structure. The, the core columns are grouped around the elevator shafts. Now, we're told by the 9-11 Commission that this is a hollow steel shaft, and which is a, a, a direct uh, uh, misdirection, mis, uh, actually. And NOVA, the, the program that came out in PBS, uh, also uh, mis gave misdirection uh, about the core of this building. Uh, su suggesting that there wasn't even a core. In fact, uh, it's just a stack of pancakes ready to fall down. Um, and so uh, th this structure uh, had 30-inch deep and 36-inch deep girders uh, all welded to each other and 5-inch thick reinforced concrete slab in it. And, and any pancaking around the outside of the structure, according to the official story, where the trusses were spanning 35 and 60 feet, uh, from the per core structure out to the perimeter structure, uh, any pancaking would have left the core structure standing about 1,300 feet in the air. And indeed, uh, uh, that, uh, th th that just doesn't add up. Well, thanks so much, caller. I'd like to make another comment, and that is that Rodriguez, who was the part uh, um, of the day-to-day the, the, the security at the at the uh, towers, he was a janitor, not not security. Oh, okay, but he reports unequivocally that there were explosions before the planes even hit. In yeah, the well, that, that's true. There's a few people who heard explosions even prior to the plane hitting down in the basement. And what about reporters talking about the World Trade Center falling before it actually fell? Can you talk to those journalists? Because some of those journalists have died. Who has died? Like Peter Jennings is dead. Are there no, people you no, cannot no, talk Pete, to? Oh, and, uh, and of course, the other, the other thing is... Um, the no mention is made of the fact that there were military operations identical to what actually happened being run that day. Yes, there were drills uh, that NORAD was putting on, and they had false radar blips uh, d designed to uh, presumably confuse the air traffic controllers as to what was real and what wasn't uh, relative to the hijackings. It basically disabled uh, the, the system. The drills also uh, sent uh, many fighters north and south uh, away, uh, and, and while, while these airplanes then were... Uh, free to kind of roam our skies for up to an hour and a half. What about those reporters talking about the World Trade Center falling before it actually fell? Like there's famous newspaper headlines saying Oswald the assassin before Oswald was even being revealed as being the assassin of John F. Kennedy. Do you have any credence to those type of things, Richard oh, Gage? yeah. The uh, BBC uh, announces the collapse of Building 7 uh, at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. What the problem is is that Building 7 didn't collapse until 5.20. They actually say this, the 47-story Solomon Brothers building has also collapsed, and they give the reason, due to structural weakening. Uh, but uh, <laughs> they, 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 they apologize for this mistake, citing the confusing events of the day, but uh, does that make them psychic? How about when the building falls? Some people have speculated that there's a devil in the smoke. What do you think about that? The devil in the smoke. I haven't seen the devil. You know, people think they see the image of the devil in the smoke coming out of the towers. Yeah. Have you heard of that caller at all? Uh, well, no, but but what I what I, I did see, I mean, when I, I it took me a half an hour of the day it happened to turn to my husband and say this is an inside job because those towers came down as de as as uh, demolition tower. Uh, uh, 
scenario. But uh, when you look at it again, you can actually see the explosions with every, every layer being taken out before it gets down that far. Any other questions at all, caller? Well, the, what really bothers me is the fact that the, the military operation, they, they said, oh, we had no idea that this kind of a scenario uh, could ever happen, and here they have drills that are a, a direct duplicate, and then having had no idea that such a thing could happen, they had all the names and, and, and where they had breakfast and where they studied, etc. 24 hours later. Yeah, that's fast police work. Well, thanks so much for phoning in, caller. Keep on rocking in the free world and do-do-do-do-do. Doodle-doo-doo. Uh, almost caller. Doodle-doo-doo. Doodle-doo-doo. Uh, almost caller. Doodle-doo-doo. <laughs> Maybe I'm not just not hearing it right. Doodle-doo-doo. Okay. okay. That's, that's my part. Now, you have a special part. You're part of the show. You're part of the Nardwater Human Survey Radio Show. We're speaking to Richard Gage. It's 822-247-UBCCITR. If you speak to Richard Gage, if you'd like to see Richard Gage caller tomorrow night, Saturday, at the Alice McKay Room, the Vancouver Public Library, 350 West Georgia at 7 p.m. Caller, doodle-doo-doo. Doodle-doo-doo. <laughs> Almost. I'm kind of porting that part. So just imagine it might be a part for you. Do 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 do. I think I give up on that one. No, no, caller, don't. Do 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 do. Do 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 do. I can't get it closer than that. Can I give her a hint? What? Do do. Caller. Do 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 do. Do 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 do. Almost, caller. Do 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 do. I think I give up on it. Okay, how about this? You do the thing, and I'll do the other thing, okay? You, you, no, you do it. You ready to do it? What is it? What I just did to you. Do it. Do it. Yeah, do it. It's it. You know what it is. I just did it. <laughs> I, think, I think we'll stick to the, to the okay. towers. Okay, caller, caller. I think we'll stick to the towers. No, caller. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Do, do. Do, do. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> caller, are you there? Hello, caller. Are you there? Caller, I might have hung up on you, so please phone back 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. And thank you, other caller, for waiting so long on the line. Caller, are you there? Yeah. Go ahead to Richard Gage. Okay. Has it, I, I'm, I'm sure this must have occurred to you at some point, but I just want to say, doesn't this occur to everyone that it was meant to be so obviously false? It's a one final slap across the face saying America is not a democracy. Uh, what do you say to that? Hello? Call, call. <laughs> I think it's like 10% of the population that gets it right away, and you're exactly right. I mean, what more could like make people more depressed? It, if you ever want to prove that it's a PSYOP, that's exactly it. Any other, okay. qu any other questions at all, yeah, Carla? one, actually. I was wondering if you had ever heard of or read the, the Northwood documents or Northwoods documents. It was a plan that was proposed to Kennedy. Yeah, they wanted to do the same thing to, to Castro. It was the idea right. that they were going to bring exactly. down Castro by doing exactly this kind of plan. And so, they, I mean, people have said, like, that Bush could never have thought of something like this. Well, he didn't, right? I mean, it's well, been in the works for, like, you know, 40 years now. And, of course, the Bush administration didn't think well, of it, well, nor did any of them, like, actually carry it out. Let's bring in the rest of the listeners who may not be aware. What we're talking about is a plan brought by uh, Limnitzer, the, uh, uh, the, the, the Joint Chiefs Force of Staff. Force of evil. 
uh, back in 1964. Uh, yeah. And it was a plan to stage a hijacking of an American airliner and uh, and uh, that it would be destroyed, uh, uh, presumably by uh, people from uh, Cuba and our Castro government, and that we would then invade uh, Cuba. This plan was not accepted by J- John F. Kennedy, and um, he was shortly after that uh, assassinated. I think he fired Limnitzer, though. Uh, Is that similar to the Gulf of Tonkin incident? Yeah, it turns out that's uh, the, the one that started the Vietnam War. Uh, was also found to be uh, false. The sinking of the Lusitania, which started World War One, or our involvement in it, and uh, that was... And the coal. The, the, the USS Coal, right well, before 9/11. What do you know about the coal? Well, it was by, it was the subject of a movie, actually, the one where the two brothers go off in different directions. One ends up a member of Al Qaeda, but it, they they rammed into it with a uh, something apparently to you know make the ship explode. It was a kind of another obvious inside job. Well, why? What's that, so that obvious? Was part of the Northwoods plan to begin with, too. I what's thought. so obvious about the coal? Well, What's just that they were, it was supposed to have been a like a, a a ship, like a small a small jet boat or whatever, with a big you know um, warhead mounted on the front of it that was meant to blow up the minute it connected with the ship, and and um, you know they were they supposedly had plans for the coal and figured out what what they could hit closest to the actual gas tanks i guess and to make it blow up but i mean it's it's a frigate for god's sake it's uh it's designed to take hits from scuds you can't just fire one at it and suddenly blow up the entire thing i mean if, if that were possible i mean the, the the cold war would have been kind of a lost cause from the beginning right like i <laughs> i don't know <laughs> well what is the event that the uh coals uh connected to that it's supposed to be in a false flag for well, it, well, it was it was meant to have, or later pr- purported to be a, an attack by Al Qaeda. Yeah, I can see the connection. I mean, but I mean, like we have the World Trade Center is blown up, and then it's to get it into Afghanistan and Iraq. But is there a what is? Oh, well, that was the, that was the very first stage of the of the Northwood plan, wasn't it? Perhaps no. I, the, the the coal happened. Uh, uh, more recently, the Northwoods plan was back in the '60s. No, no, I mean, I mean that, uh, I mean that blowing up the United States frigate, sort of off the coast of Florida somewhere. That was part of the plan in the Northwood documents, and then, and then, you know, so it just, it just shows one more step, one more layer of how the the 9/11 events were exactly the same as what they'd planned before. Well, thanks so much for phoning in, caller. Anything else you want to say to Richard Gage? You realize that Richard is in Vancouver tomorrow night yeah. if you want to go see oh, him. I know. Yeah, I've been listening since the beginning, and you, you rock. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Well, thanks for phoning in, caller. Keep on rocking in the free world, and do 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 loot do And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Nardwara Human Serviette Radio Show, winding up here with Richard Gage, who again will be in Vancouver tomorrow, talking about what, Richard, in case people are whining. They've just tuned in, and they've heard me say, do-do-loot-do. What will you be talking about tomorrow at 7 p.m. at the Alice McKay Room at the Vancouver Public Library? We'll we'll be displaying graphically uh, with audio and this dynamic multimedia presentation, all of the witnesses describing 
the, the evidence for controlled demolition, and, and this takes about two hours. And uh, afterwards, uh, you asked me about how this is being received. I, I meant to tell you that in the last nine presentations, including one in Los Angeles with uh, 650 people, not one of the people raised their hands to the question, does, does anyone uh, believe that these buildings were brought down by fire after I gave the presentation. Now, not one hand. So the evidence speaks for itself. Uh, so that's why virtually every architect and engineer who sees the, the presentation does indeed sign our petition. And if anybody has any questions, lastly here, 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR, if you'd like to ask any questions for Richard Gage. Richard, have you dealt with hecklers at all? Because I noticed on your website you have, quote, guidelines for hosting a presentation by Richard Gage, AIA. Have you encountered hecklers? Have you learned how to deal with the hecklers? What sort of security precautions have to be put together? I'm just curious about that. Most of the people who come to our presentations are are pretty mature people. Uh, I haven't had a problem with hecklers. Do you think the government is scared of watchdogs now since 9-11 with all these people like yourself getting out there and discussing issues, people posting stuff on the Internet? Like there's so many people watching now. Do you think the government can get away with stuff now because there's so many people watching? I would like to think that that they can't. Uh, We're concerned, uh, however, about the next false flag operation because if they did it once uh, or several times in the history of our country, most recently, 9-11. They can and will uh, and are planning, actually, to do it again. If you read the, uh, the uh, inside information from uh, officers uh, who are very concerned about the neocons' uh, disastrous uh, plans to invade Iran, uh, there will be probably some incident uh, blamed on Iran, uh, and we uh, are trying to raise awareness about 9-11 so that uh, the, the, the insane uh, policies and, and goals of, of this uh, administration and, and, and the power behind them uh, are not um, given uh, free license here. Richard, have you been discredited at all? And I mention this in the sense because I was looking on the internet and there's a posting about how Matt Groening, The Simpsons, Matt Groening is a mason of the 33rd degree order and you are one of the tags in a YouTube video showing how Matt Groening is a mason of the 33rd degree order. In other words, your name has been thrown in to The Simpsons mason debate on YouTube. It's like one of the tags, you know, when you're the on YouTube. TV show, The Simpsons? This TV show, The Simpsons. Somebody's trying to prove that Matt Groening of The Simpsons is a 33-degree mason, and there's an example of this on YouTube, and one of the tags on YouTube, one of the search terms, is Richard Gage. Like, you've been thrown into there somehow. Have there been weird things occurring like that, where your name has been thrown in to groups that maybe you're not associated with? Richard, I think you should take that as a compliment. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. I will tell you this. Uh, we have been uh, on the floor of Congress in the most uh, uh, disturbing of uh, circumstances in which there was a presentation by the Simon Wiesenthal Center uh, to the Homeland uh, Department uh, Subcommittee on Homegrown Terrorism. And uh, there is this five-minute presentation uh, provided by Mark Wietzman and coached by the RAND Corporation, which specializes in counterterrorism. And uh, they're, they're showing all these Taliban websites and how dangerous the Internet can be, uh, uh, along with the other militant jihadist websites. And, and there's the architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth sandwiched right between them. 
And uh, the, the, no logical reason other than to uh, presume that the intent was to brand our organization as terrorist. And, of course, we've written uh, letters uh, demanding uh, an apology, a retraction, and mostly an explanation as to what in the world uh, they were thinking about uh, putting, was this a conscious decision? Uh, given their relationship with the RAND Corporation, we're, we're deeply disturbed uh, about the actual intent of this uh, uh, presentation. Richard Gage, thanks again for coming into the Nerdworthy Human Serviette Radio Show. Lastly, lastly, lastly here, and again, if anybody wants to call, it's still 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR if you'd like to ask any questions for Richard Gage, who will be tomorrow night at the Alice McKay Room. Is it the Alice McKay Room? Yes, it is. The Alice McKay Room, 7 p.m. at the Vancouver Public Library. Right there, Patrick? Anything you want to add about that? Um. Ten dollars at the door tomorrow. We'll see you all. Ten dollars t- tomorrow at the door. But right now, if you have any questions, 604-822-247, 604-UBC-CITR to ask Richard Gage a question. And I did, right off the bat, I had an email question that I printed out just as you came here. And it's from bombfan at qzmail.com. And it goes as follows, quote, I am curious to know what Richard thinks happened to the Flight 93 people if 9-11 was a joke hoax. What's the story there? And also, this week in the UK and some Euro countries, they are allowing cell phones to be used on planes. I thought that cell phones couldn't work on planes, and therefore the tapes we heard of people calling families, etc., were planted. Well, there's been a lot of research uh, on the ability uh, in 2001 of the uh, of cell phones to work at 30,000 feet, and nobody's been able to uh, uh, prove that they work. Uh, plenty of people have proven that they didn't work, so it appears that uh, some of them were, were fabricated. Uh, Flight 93, uh, was uh, the damage uh, from that plane was strewn over eight miles. There were people who saw uh, fighter jets uh, in the area, and there's no uh, airplane in the hole in which it was alleged to have landed. So it appears that it was shot down. Um, the, the obvious question would be why. Maybe it's because uh, the, it was taken over by uh, its uh, it, it, the the, uh, the actual uh, occupants of the airplane. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Go ahead to Richard Gage. Hi, Richard. Hi. I just wanted to um, ask what happened to, like, all of the, uh, the remains of uh, the Twin Towers when they were shipped out? Oh, well, it, it's interesting to uh, note that uh, FEMA had ordered the, sh- the, the, the removal of the debris a- a- as soon as they found the gold down in the uh, basement uh, at 800 truckloads a day. Uh, it was recycled uh, to uh, China. Uh, shipped to China for recycling, and uh, it's it's uh, that all happened uh, just before the report came out in which FEMA uh, provided their analysis of the collapse of World Trade Center Seven, where they stated that there was only a low probability of occurrence of their best hypothesis, which is that the building came down by fire assisted by random damage. In other words, their best hypothesis has only a low probability of occurrence. Uh, Further research, investigation, uh, and analysis are required. 
Well, they had ordered all of the destruction of the evidence prior to this report even coming out. So it's extremely important. Did I address your sure. question? Yes, yes, totally. But isn't that illegal, what they've done? Yeah. In fact, fire protection engineers, uh, Bill Manning of the, ed- of the magazine Fire Protection Engineering, uh, suggests that it was illegal, and it shows the astounding ignorance of government officials to the value of a thorough scientific uh, analysis. The destruction of removal... A destruction or removal of evidence must stop. Yeah, this is a crime scene, and it was highly illegal uh, to, to remove this, this evidence. And it would have given us much more insight uh, mm-hmm. into the uh, collapse of these towers, although there was simply there was plenty uh, of evidence, as you'll see tonight, uh, there to suggest that, uh, indeed, that, that this is a crime and that the, the perpetrators appear not to have been uh, Muslim. <laughs> and... Uh, They will be put away for robbery, excuse me, treason and murder. Any other questions at all, caller, for Richard Gage, who will be here tomorrow? Well, he is here right now live at CITR, but any questions for Richard Gage? He'll be here tomorrow at the Alice McKay Room at the Vancouver Public Library. Um, No, uh, sorry, what time are you going to be at the uh, Alice McKay Room at the Public Library? 7 p.m. 7 p.m., okay, great. I'll be able to make it. Um, And you'll also be taking questions at the library, too? You betcha. Yeah, okay, bring, great. bring your best questions, and I'll take it. And it's 911AETruth. No, what is the website again? The website is uh, ae911truth.org. And I encourage all listeners to sign the petition. You don't have to be an architect or engineer. We have uh, over 1,300 others uh, who have signed on as well. And if you need info on the event, you go to vancouver911.org, oh. vancouver911truth.org. Okay. And if, if you miss the Vancouver event tomorrow night, come to Victoria, 2 p.m. Sunday, at the uh, St. John the Divine Church on Quadra Street. Right. I just wanted to ask, like, one more question. There's been a lot of support, too, from people that have been coming and, and listening? Of course, yeah? Uh, I yeah. don't understand the question. At like, all. I mean, um, a lot of people's minds, like an alarm, alarm bell is going off in people's head that, you know, wait a minute, someone's got to answer to what's going on here, like, Every you time know, the man uh, talks, people get alarmed. Sorry? Every time the man talks, his following grows. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much, caller. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show. You can check out Richard Gage tomorrow night at the Alice McKay Room. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, Richard? Yes, it's extremely important that everybody who's listening, who who finds our work credible after reviewing the evidence, does something about it. To it, it, with freedom comes responsibility, and the responsibility is to speak out. And for those who agree with us but will not talk to your friends, your neighbors, your family, your associates, and especially building professionals about this subject then uh, we deserve to lose those freedoms that we uh, have fought uh, so hard for throughout uh, the history of uh, Canada and the United States. Why should people care about you, (laughs) the presentation? Well, in America, we have legislated away many of our cherished freedoms in the Military Commissions Act, the Patriot Act. There's a forthcoming Patriot Act, too, which is uh, extremely disturbing, and the Uh, Additional Homegrown Terrorism Act, uh, which is H.R. 1955, is sailing through, has sailed through the House and and is likely to be passed by the Senate absent uh, a massive uprising of every American because they can now cause, call us terrorists 
by if we use force. And guess how force is uh, defined? You're tearing me apart. It's not. That's the problem. Uh, you, they'll, they'll define it for you, and you will not have any of the rights that... Uh, that you've come to know and love uh, in, in, in Canada as well. You're Tearing Me Apart, Though, is the name of a song by Teenage Head, a brand new song by Teenage Head, with Marky Ramone of the Ramones on drums, believe it or not, Richard Gage. Were you a punk rock fan at all, being in San Francisco, home of the Dead Kennedys, Jello Biafra of the Dead Kennedys, ran for mayor years ago. Did you ever encounter the punk rock scene out of San Francisco? I, I remind you, I'm a Reagan Republican. As I said, did you ever encounter the punk rock scene? Jello Biafra actually ran for mayor. He actually ran for mayor, and I think he came second or third. This was like in 1980. He actually ran for mayor. So he was probably on the ballot, Jello Biafra. Do you remember voting for Jello Biafra at all? And it's funny, you mentioned Reagan Republican. Well, believe it or not, Johnny Ramone was a total Reagan Republican. This was only revealed in these later sort of Ramones movies that have come out. But here we have Marky Ramone playing drums with Teenage Head from this brand new release, Teenage Head with Mark Yermone and the track You're Tearing Me Apart. Well, thanks so much for coming in to the Nardwarda Human Serviette Show, Richard Gage. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do. <laughs>
never fails to inspire young people to see further and to reach higher. What that means, he argues, is a reformed and renewed United Nations with India, Brazil and other emerging economies on the Security Council. A new